Welcome to On Call with Dr. Anselm Anyoha. In this podcast, learn about the social, emotional, and physical health of children and their journey from birth through preschool and beyond. Find compassionate answers to issues parents and children face and that pediatricians encounter every day. Discussions in this podcast are not meant to diagnose or treat any conditions. Parents and caregivers, talk with your children's pediatricians or doctors about topics and perspectives presented here. You are on call with Dr. Anselm Anyoha. Hello, everyone. Today, Dr. Anyoha will talk about the social and emotional needs of infants and children and how parents can raise happy children who can express their feelings in positive and dynamic ways. Dr. Anyoha, why is this topic so important for parents and caregivers? This topic is very important for a couple of reasons. Number one, a global one. If you consider that about 140 million children are born each year in the world, this is a number that will grow up into adults. Social emotional health is something that carries throughout adult life and affects how we behave as human beings among each other. So this is a very important topic. Whenever I speak about social emotional health of children, it triggers deep feelings among parents. Everybody remembers when they were kids and the kind of upbringing they have as children and the values their parents gave them. So it's a topic that triggers a lot of deep feelings among everybody, including parents. What are some of the things that you bring up when you address this topic with parents? Is it when children are newly born? Is it as they're growing? Is it throughout the time that you see them? How do you encourage parents to raise happy children? Creating social-emotional health or encouraging kids to be happy starts from when they are newborns. It doesn't start when a child is one year old and pulling down all the china on the table, <laughs> pushing down tables and uh, furniture. For children to have good social-emotional health, it starts from newborns. You got to be uh, a sensitive caregiver. A sensitive caregiver is someone who can recognize when a baby is in distress and then step out to help the baby, rescue your baby when a baby is fussy. That's a sensitive caregiver. Change your diapers when you think the baby is irritable. Also, you have to provide a calm and soothing environment for your baby to grow and thrive. You have to learn how to communicate with a newborn because newborns don't communicate as older children and grown-ups. Facial expressions looking around, crying. These are some of the things about newborn communications parents should know and respond to. Another one is reading the mind of a baby. What does it feel like to be a baby? See how the baby feels at any particular time and respond appropriately. The last of the five pillars of what I call creating social-emotional health is active engagement with your newborns. You can spend one minute, two minutes, depending on infant's attention, to play and engage. Those five things went down consistently uh, in reciprocity. Those are the foundations upon which our excellent social-emotional health of children is built.
the thing with these five pillars is they are very connected. When you do one, it rolls into the other. If you're getting engagement, we give you communication, we give you caregiver sensitivity. If a parent can concentrate on one, it fits into the other four. The reason why this is important also is because when a baby is born, their brain, their cells, the neurons are still growing. How much it will flourish depends on caregiver communication and engagement with a newborn. They're all interconnected, and that's how babies begin to trust their parents, begin to trust their caregivers, and begin to have them as a secure base. The secure base is person who they run to when there's any challenges. Even as adults, we remember all the good things we had with our parents, and it, it gives us strength. When I remember the good time I had with my parents, that gives me some security, some strength. These fundamentals don't end just because you, you become a teenager or an adult. So you gave a good example of how you shouldn't wait until the child is one year old and pulling the china off of the table before you start to practice some of these ways to raise happy children. What are some situations that parents might find themselves in that children are having challenges? Then what happens? <laughs> That's a very important question. The context of child's behavior is always very important. We want to find out what is the location of this behavior. Is it at home? Is it at school? Is it at daycare? Is it at after-school program? Or is it everywhere? What is triggering this child from misbehaving? Is it being bullied? So trying to get to the bottom of where this misbehavior is taking place is very important. And of course, some children can have medical issues that can trigger behavior. For example, let's say a child is born with a problem hearing. If they don't hear what others are saying, they respond inappropriately. A kid who has problem with speaking and communicating, if they can't get their point across, they're frustrated and begin to hit people trying to make their point. Some kids don't know how to express whatever is going on in their life. For example, I have a five-year-old who's been fighting in class and fighting with other kids. When I had a discussion with one of her parents, the father left, for example, and the child is always talking about him and probably doesn't know how to express that turmoil in her life. Perhaps she's lashing out at others because of something that's hurting her that she doesn't ha know how to express. For a clinician to make a diagnosis, the child has to see an expert who can inquire about family dynamics. What in child's life is normal? What is not normal? What's going on here in school, in the classroom, in playground, at the house? That's what we call intake. You have to look at every aspect of a child's life and see if there's any way you can intervene to make a difference. Parents have to do their part when a baby is young. All the caring, all the loving, all the bonding. Once this kid reaches uh, an infant, toddler, preschool, then the parents have to get some expert help. 
to help them sort out this behavioral problem, if there's any. That is very important. Medical conditions can definitely have an impact on how a child is responding and behaving and the challenges they're facing. But there are other situations where there could be influences outside the family. They could be living in a difficult neighborhood. Everyone's economic situation isn't the same. Kids can grow up poor, rich, middle class, from an affluent country, a country that's struggling, maybe even a wartime country. Yes. Um, But kids seem to be pretty resilient. What advice do you give parents that they can do just to nurture and help maybe themselves and their kids to get through difficult circumstances using these communication techniques so they can say, hey, this is going to be okay. We can work through this. Kids being resilient is not uh, guaranteed. Not every child is going to be resilient. A child who has suffered social emotional deprivation in a home where uh, infants and children and not getting the love, the caring relationship they have with their parents and adults is very impactful and they can be stressed. Some kids do beat that child neglect, right? They beat it. They triumph and they grow up to be amazing adults and successful people. But others don't. Researchers found those that beat childhood trauma, childhood neglect, or child abuse are those that have meaningful adults in their life. The earlier the kid gets in a good path, the better for their kids. There's still abilities for the brain to adapt when that child is put out of that stressful environment and put into an environment where there's a loving adult who could care for that child. So it's called resiliency. But it's not guaranteed. You just need a very good loving adult to pull you through. Talking about raising children is a very sensitive topic. When I discuss it with my parents in my practice, I tread very lightly and ask them, what is it that they value? And when I get their own answers, I begin to put in some of the things that researchers have found that help quality relationship between parents and children. You have to tread lightly, otherwise you get upset the parents because they have their own values. Give us examples in your practice of families that have come in and you've advised them on ways to nurture this relationship. Parents are very interested. They're very happy whenever you talk about how they will relate to their newborns. They're very excited from my experience. Even fathers, grandfathers, you can see their face lighting up and they will begin to tell you what they can do with their babies. My baby, I can talk to him. I can talk to her. She's listening to me. I know when she's happy, when she's mad, when she's hungry. Parents are very expressive when it comes to the emotional uh, state of their children. They just want permission from the doctor or from the pediatrician that this is a good thing to do. I think it's a good thing we are talking about this because it's a topic that people seldom talk about, the social-emotional health 
and feelings of newborns. Because remember, a, a mother, a father, a new, new parent, taking care of a baby is one thing out of many things a parent is doing. Shining light on the social-emotional health of that baby is very important. How do you think technology and things like social media will affect children and how they're raised and their ability to relate to their parents and their caregivers? I think that's a big thing. That's a very big thing. Some parents are exposing their kids, babies to technology, computers, social media, and they're not doing the work. They're not doing the parental work. They're not physically involved with the baby. They have swings everywhere in the house. A baby is, is in a swing that puts baby to sleep <laughs> instead of the mother or the dad holding the baby and the baby falls asleep. My belief or my theory is with time, when more parents are going to switch to technology instead of physically caring for their babies, the brain connection that usually you see in caregiver infant bonding and relationship is not going to be there anymore. It's going to configure to a brain connection that is more in tune to baby computer connection. And I don't know what that is going to do to social emotional health of babies. So you would advise parents not to overly rely on technology, but to work on social connections and bonds. It's good for the health of the newborn and, and the kid growing up, but it sounds like it's also good for the parents to have this bond with their kids growing and trusting one another. There's no love certainly coming from a computer or a swing. It might do the job putting the baby to sleep, but there's no warmth. There's no love. If you take the human out of the connection and you take the love and the caring out of the connection, then you're missing the whole relationship that makes children happy. Yeah, exactly what I'm saying. And I wonder how that, the, my problem with that is not going to be good for social emotional health of children as a whole going forward. One of the things parents might wonder is where they can get information they can trust. When people say, where do I go? To find a reliable place or meeting people that are going to be a good group, what do you recommend? I think the church is a very good place to start if you're a member of a church. School administration is a very good resource. And of course, when a, a child is born, I think the hospital also provides some resources to the parents. In this age of internet, parents can Google whatever they're looking for and check it out and see if the values fit their own values for the child they're raising. And one thing we didn't talk about, you bring up social media and the age of online information, is a lot of kids, they start to get their self-esteem from likes on the computer and social media. How do you advise parents? I think feel a little overwhelmed at how to keep their kids happy on social media without getting involved in things they shouldn't and are going to bring them down. What do parents do as they're raising their kids? I think uh, a parent who keeps open communication with their kid is a good thing. Find out what a kid is doing and if there is something bad to redirect them. Number two, keep them busy. Keep a child busy. Get them to play soccer. Get them out 
to join clubs and make sure that you keep in touch with the school because when a child is failing or a teenager is failing, that's a red flag. A dwindling grade means that parents should be watchful. Pediatricians are the ones who see newborns from the day they are born, and they follow them at the them at age one week, age two weeks, two months, until they go to college. So the pediatricians have a very good opportunity to impact the social-emotional health of children all over the world. And it, it just takes pointing it out to parents that social-emotional health is very important. And the key to that is to form a good relationship with your baby, the, the earlier the better, and give them things to practice, like being a sensitive caregiver, providing calm and suited environment for a child to grow, know how your babies communicate, get into his mind, and play with him when you have a minute, all right? Engage him. So that's all they have to say, and then the, kid, the parents can run with that. And we're going to have a, a very good world in the future. Thanks for joining us for this episode. To answer questions you may have in a future podcast, write to Dr. Anyoha on his website at modernerapediatrics.com. Listen to On Call with Dr. Anyoha wherever you find your podcasts.